Hey, what's up? It's Gustavo Ariano. 2021 is almost over, and we here at The Times would be remiss in our holiday spirit if we didn't try to help the next generation of podcast producers get some episodes on the resume, you know? So this week, we're going to highlight some of the work of students from the Annenberg School of Communication and Journalism at the University of Southern California. And here I have to say, go Bruins, because I graduated from UCLA. <laughs> they learned well this semester from their profe, the Times senior producer, Denise Guerra, who's also a proud UCLA graduate. Go Bruins again. And today we give you Kari Spencer, an undergrad studying journalism and sociology and understanding her mixed identity. Great job, Kari, and ahí vamos. All right, so here's the scene. I'm in my bedroom in Minnesota, 17 years old at the time, despite what the fairy castle decals I never removed from my walls might tell you. And I'm having an identity crisis. Having just come back from a trip to Taiwan where 7-Eleven cashiers automatically addressed me in English, I'm questioning how Taiwanese I can really claim to be. Back home, as one of two Asian girls at my school who teachers would mistake for each other, my Taiwanese identity is salient, inescapable. But in Taiwan, I felt like an outsider to my own heritage, a tourist at times. How could I be Taiwanese if my Mandarin wasn't even good enough for me to tell my grandparents about my life in full detail the way my cousins could? How could I be Taiwanese if I was the only daughter in my mother's friend group who couldn't wreak havoc at the mahjong table? It's great timing, this identity crisis, because I'm about to attempt my response to a college essay prompt. You know, the one that asks 17 and 18-year-olds to boil their identity down to 650 words? Totally easy. Since I was 14, I've been obsessed with this East Asian legend the red string of fate. Everybody's got a soulmate bound to them by a string, and no matter how far apart they are, one day they'll find each other and merge. Two halves to a whole. As a biracial kid, half Taiwanese, half white, I started using this legend as a metaphor to understand myself. In Minnesota, I felt the tug all the way from Taiwan. And in Taiwan, that tug from the States would never leave me alone. There was this ache from all that tugging that absolutely plagued me as a teenager. I had this whole setup in my closet, with pictures of Taiwanese mountains and Minnesota lakes and pillows and string lights to set the tone for my aggressive journaling about wanting the two sides to merge. But then, I moved to California for college. California is not Minnesota. It is one of the states for the ethnically ambiguous. Other than Hawaii, it's the most racially and ethnically diverse state in the U.S., so my identity crisis went into hiding in the back of my mind, muffled out too from only really interacting with five people for a year of the pandemic. That all changed when we came back to the University of Southern California campus this fall, and I tried to go to a Taiwanese-American organization, or Tao, meeting for the first time. I took one look into the room, saw what everyone looked like, and just booked it out of there. I wasn't Taiwanese enough. I didn't belong there. I walked across campus and tried not to cry. We'll have more after this break.
In an effort to figure out how I could overcome that weird liminal feeling, I reached out to an expert in multiracial studies. That's where Deja Goodwin comes in. I think a lot of mixed race people, because they have these different options of racial identities and different ways that they can identify, there's a lot of feelings around what's most appropriate and what's most socially acceptable and whether other people will really validate the way that they feel. Deja's at UCLA working towards her PhD in sociology. Two summers ago, I actually participated in a study on mixed race individuals for her master's thesis. I did most of the talking then, but this time it's her turn. We're on Zoom. So having people validate your identities also contributes to whether you feel enough or not enough and can really determine how you carry yourself through the world. At the core of it, I guess that's why I didn't want to sit in the meeting. I was afraid of my identity being invalidated. Deja's black, white, and Mexican. Talking to her isn't just talking to an expert, it's talking to someone who I hear myself in. And it can be so uncomfortable. I mean, I know when I was in college, I all four years, I wanted to join the Black Student Union, and I just never felt comfortable enough to go in. I, would, I had their newsletter in my email. I would put in my calendar when their events were, and I would go like all the way to the door even sometimes, and I would just feel like I'm not the same as these people, and I can't go in. I know that that was the wrong approach. I think if I had just gone in one time, I would have had a really great experience. I want to know more about that right approach. I asked Deja what she's learned from all of her qualitative interviews with mixed-race people in California and what she tells me about finding belonging and a sense of identity confidence basically boils down to two routes. One, embracing the culture or parts of the mix that feel more distant, so actually walking into the meeting next time. And two, seeking connections with people who can relate to being mixed and putting that mixed identity front and center. The majority of people, I think all but two in my sample who identified with stable identities, so not the racial identities that change in different contexts, but the people who identify the same way in every situation, all but two of them identified as mixed race in every situation. Somehow, the concept of identifying just as being mixed is a major epiphany to me. Like, all my life, it's felt like I had to pick a side, or that depending on where I was, I wasn't enough of a side. But hey, if finding peace and being mixed means I might feel stable in my identity, I want to try that out. And I'm not alone in having to navigate this. There's been a 276% increase in the multiracial population from 2010 to 2020, according to the U.S. Census. That's a jump from 9 million people to 33.8 million people in just 10 years. What's even crazier to me is that 10 years before 2010 was the first time people could even identify with multiple races in the census. That year, 2000, was the year I was born. It was also the year Alabama became the last state to finally remove an interracial marriage ban from its constitution. That's insane. Here's one more thought from Deja. Being able to find that community, I feel like, is almost a privilege for a lot of people because some people just don't have access to a group of people who um, have a similar identity experience. I mean, yeah, the cool thing about revisiting this identity crisis in college and especially a college in California is that there are different communities where I can at least try to find my place. I've got options, and that is a privilege. One of them is Mixed SC the Campus Org for Mixed Students. 
my parents always raised me to like accept that you know both my cultures even though my parents are separated they were always like yeah you're mixed it was like very important to them that I understood that that's Kiara Nguyen, who is half Black, half Vietnamese, and on the executive board of the club. We meet up to chat in a spacey library study room. Already, Kiara's got one of those peculiar mixed experience stories from a couple weeks ago. For context, she's part of both Mixed SC and the Vietnamese Student Association, or VSA. She tells me about a moment when she had to explain to a member of the VSA that it actually is possible to be in both the Mixed and the Vietnamese org. And then she goes, so you're Viet, right? And I was like, yeah. And she goes, how much? And I was like, like I told her, but in the back of my mind, I was like, it's kind of a weird question. I know she probably meant it innocently, but it just rubbed me the wrong way. I've never had someone ask me that before. Like, why would she say that? In a lot of ways, Kiara and I can relate to each other. We've worked to prove our Asian-ness. We've had times we felt not enough on either side. You know, being mixed, it's, it's identity crises all the time. Like, it's just a fact. Yeah, and there's that, too. After talking to Deja and Kiara, I do feel more validated in my own identity. Talking to other people who know what it's like to feel torn between identities is genuinely cathartic. I'm not Black or Mexican or Vietnamese. Neither of them are Taiwanese. But there are connecting points there. Relatability that I don't find with my white side or Taiwanese side. Something is still missing, though. As uncomfortable as I felt running away from that Tao meeting, it's uncomfortable to turn off the Taiwanese side of me, too. It would be a lie. I am Taiwanese. I did spend summers there. I do talk to my mother in Mandarin and call my grandmother and say how, how, how to her every time she offers me pass-down health advice. When I'm at school, I miss the smell of ginger and five-spice powder and, weirdly, the sound of my own voice speaking tones that aren't captured in English. Taipei is my city more than L.A. is. Taipei is my city just as much as Minneapolis is. I think about what Deja said on our call, about how she wishes she went to the Black Student Union meetings. It's pretty clear what I have to do. So here's me. Finally went to the town meeting. I'm sitting outside of Doheny Library, right next to this water fountain. This is what was going through my head. I'm actually wearing a Chinese character necklace right now. Um, An, which means, like, safety. And when I'm nervous, I rub the necklace um, when I want to find calmer peace. So currently rubbing the An necklace. Um... I think part of me put this on consciously to show that I belong there. Like, if I have a Chinese character on my chest, that it'll, I don't know, accentuate that side of me or something. So I'm going in armored, um, just trying to focus on the food and maybe meet some people. That would be cool. So the only thing I recorded at the meeting was this meeting chatter. I am nervous and I didn't want to shove a mic in anyone's face, but I promise I did talk to people. There were like 60 of us crammed into a classroom. Dr. Fauci would not be pleased. And at the front of the room, there were trays of tong yoping, wobokao, fantuan, and soy milk. It smelled like my favorite breakfast spot two minutes away from my grandparents' house in Taipei. When the meeting is over, it's dark out. 
but instead of rushing home, I find a corner of campus away from prying ears and word vomit my thoughts out. There's a lot on my mind. So overall, I am glad that I went. And although there were moments where I felt out of place or like I needed to explain myself a little bit, it wasn't the end of the world. And there's nothing that I can do to get rid of those types of moments. And they're generally innocuous. So I think I just have to be more comfortable overcoming that type of thing so I can have good experiences like being able to enjoy Taiwanese food at college because I'm not in Taipei and I miss it. And I liked having that experience today. It made me feel more Taiwanese than I have in a while. Even though I was asked if I was Taiwanese, which I wish people would just know when I'm at a Taiwanese meeting, but you know, it's whatever. I feel more Taiwanese than I have in a while. I feel like that side of my identity has been a little bit dormant. And tonight it was good to let that side of my identity shine out a little bit more. All right, to be completely honest, Part of the reason I do feel more comfortable going to town meetings now has to do with Anna Fong. She's Asian, which is a mix between white and Asian. I spotted her immediately. We talked a bit, only really getting to the mixed thing right before we parted ways. So we made plans to meet up again in a library study room, the only quiet place on campus. And when we do, there is so much to talk about. I will say coming here has definitely made me feel a lot more white than I thought I was. Because, like, there's so many, there's such a diverse, like, spread of Asian groups and cultures that are represented here. And, like, especially in Talik, the day that we met was the first time I was ever, like, actually thinking, I was like, wow, I'm really white, like, sitting in that room. Because they were all, like, speaking Chinese to each other. And not to say, like, that's wrong or anything. Like, it was just, I was like, damn, all right. I'm, I'm excited to learn more about myself, which is part of the reason I joined the club was because I was like, oh, I don't know a whole lot about the Taiwanese culture, so I can learn here. But then I was like, wow, I feel really different than everyone in this room right now. Yeah. Which is ironic because that's when I literally the day I met you and you're like, hey. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, that's what deterred me from joining in the first place is like feeling almost like invalid Mm -hmm. there. Um, You're like, I really don't fit in here. Which is weird because I feel like I should fit in here because I identify with half like the culture that they're representing. Yeah, exactly. Especially like because when I grew up like in Minnesota is where Mm -hmm. I'm from. um, also super white. <laughs> yeah, You're from Chicago, say. right? Yeah. Okay, from, so yeah. Midwest. <laughs> but um super white. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, it really is and like I felt I almost felt like more Taiwanese there sometimes mm-hmm. because it was like you're like the Asian kid in the room no, and yeah. you're going to like I 100% speak for agree that. where you're like you're like well, Yeah, when I initially met Anna, I found out that she never had apprehensions about joining Tao the way that I did. She just wanted to connect more with her Taiwanese side. So when we do meet up to talk again, I'm feeling a little guilty about the questions I'm prompting. No, it's okay. I'm not going to like leave here and be like, who am I? <laughs> I'm but, pretty comfortable with who I am, I think. Okay, that's good. So I hope that that stays for the rest of my life. But I, who knows? Yeah. Life is long and 
hard stuff changes but yeah i mean if you already like feel comfortable at this point that's that's promising it really is but at the same time that doesn't mean anna hasn't had her fair share of weird interactions with people for me those interactions get in my head and build up i've got a storage vault of times i felt shaky in who i was like i remember when my uncle asked if i finally felt taiwanese after spending a month there i didn't finally feel Taiwanese. I'd always felt Taiwanese. But then I just went into this little spiral in the back of a Toyota, wondering if I was allowed to feel that way in the first place. But Anna's at a healthier place with it. She has the moments and she remembers them, but she doesn't seem to latch onto them the way that I do. I tell her about one category of these moments, getting asked in Taiwan if I was hunshe, which translates to mixed blood. It used to happen to me way more as a kid, in restaurants, at night markets, anywhere in like elementary school i remember people like straight up asking my mom if i was mixed or like mm-hmm. asking my background which is <laughs> i mean i guess that like sort of happens here but i don't know not really like strangers my mom my mom would always get asked if she was the nanny or like Ooh. if she if they adopted from china and she was like no i'm their mom <laughs> how do you go up to someone and like ask them that that's like so uncomfortable <laughs> i know that's also like why do you need to know that yeah. it's a very random unprompted observation question yeah, yeah. just like i need to know this child's background like, <laughs> i don't even know who you are i think that is a thing about like being mixed too sometimes is like there's a lot of people feeling the need mm-hmm. to, to like fit know you and to like yeah know like what you are yeah in a sense like you're like a <laughs> yeah sometimes i'm like i'm still figuring that one out like don't ask me <laughs> okay so she's not at a perfect spot yet but she seems to be pretty close i think i've made it happily to the middle but i i don't know <laughs> I haven't been upset with where I'm at, but I definitely have been confused at some points. Anna's point about being confused rather than upset is important. Sometimes there are moments that are disconcerting, but that doesn't have to mean identity crisis time, I guess. (laughs) That is what I'm telling myself. I think that's just life as a mixed person. I'm in my room again, this time in my apartment near USC. I'm 21 now, and I am not in the middle of an identity crisis. I look around and notice the, like, 10 postcards from Taiwan that I have. My room is filled with aggressive longing for a country across the ocean. And right here on my desk, there's this keychain that says Taiwan in black beads. It's been attached to my apartment key for the last four months, with me at all times. Being afraid of not being Taiwanese enough, now that I'm in California prevented me from embracing a side of myself that I love. But then I tried it and it was okay. And then I talked to Anna and felt validated in a different way. I don't think I'm that afraid anymore. Here's something symbolic. The Mixed SC meeting is on Tuesdays at 7.30 p.m. That is the same time the Taiwanese American organization meets. And I think back to what Deja, the sociology researcher I spoke to, said. There are two routes. One, embracing the cultural or ethnic side that feels the most distant. And two, identifying as mixed. Being mixed is a huge part of my identity, but to not put my Taiwanese identity first would feel wrong. I think I'll go to mixed SC meetings every once in a while, but Tao is where I want to be most Tuesdays.
And that's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guerra, Kasha Brasalian, Melissa Kaplan, Ashley Brown, and Angel Carreras. Our engineer is Mario Diaz. Our editor is Arn Rapp. Our executive producers are Hasmin Aguilera and Shawnee Hilton, and our theme music is by Andrew Eben. Special thanks to Alexander Higgins. Like what you're listening to? Then make sure to follow The Times on whatever platform you use. Don't make us the Puccia Podcasts. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back tomorrow with all the news in this month. Gracias. <laughs>